Welcome to the Homeland Heroes Salute, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories to heal and honor our heroes. We are your hosts, Bill Taub and Dave Tilly. Hi there, this is Phil Taub with Homeland Heroes Salute podcast. Uh, I am missing my partner in crime, Dave Tilly, who is, uh, is traveling right now. So I am solo, but very, very happy to welcome Charlotte Trodden, the executive director of Operation Delta Dog. Charlotte, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Phil. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. And and Charlotte, this, you know, this is a pretty easy podcast for me because you've been very generous in inviting my wife, Julie, and I, you know, to now two graduations. Uh, we've, we've had the pleasure of attending one not that long ago. And, uh, you know, for us on our mission was some of the mission to raise money and support worthy veteran service organizations like Operation Delta Dog. I mean, honestly, the best part of this is getting to see sort of firsthand, you know, the experience of our veterans uh, getting help. And of course, you see this every day. Uh, You know, I just get to swoop in a little bit, but definitely one of the most emotional uh, mornings I've spent in a long time was this last graduation uh, with three veterans. And and so I just want to start with, tell us what Operation Delta Dog does and, and, you know, walk us through like, you know, how a veteran from the time they show up gets to that graduation. Then you and I can talk some more about that graduation ceremony. Yeah, absolutely. Because I agree. I don't think there was a, none of us had a dry eye that morning. So at Operation Delta Dog, we rescue dogs from across the country and we train them to be service dogs for veterans that are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, traumatic brain injury, or military sexual trauma. And we're really proud of Delta Dog because we have a really unique approach to the way we do this. So outside of the fact that we rescue dogs as part of our mission, we do not do 100% of the training ourselves. Um, We invite the veteran alongside us for 18 months to be a really big part of that training. And we do that for a reason. We do that because we know that this service dog is a tremendous tool to their healing, but it's just that it's a tool. It's not an instant fix. And in those 18 months that they're with us, the healing process is happening. And that can be really, really hard for a lot of people. For many of our veterans, when they walk through our door, that's the first time that they have left their house in a public setting. That's the first time that they have been interacting with people that may not be part of their immediate household. So there's a lot of anxiety and emotions that are associated with the PTSD that they're feeling. So because of that, we have them with a specific group of veterans that are part of what we call their class. And they are with that same group of veterans for about 18 months, twice a week. So it's a really huge commitment on the part of the veteran. Um, But every single one of us tells them that that's the life-changing difference alongside with their dog is that for all the years that they were in service, they were always told that you never go without a battle buddy. And then they come home and they are suddenly without a battle buddy. And as much as they're wives and husbands and spouses and mom and dads try to be there and support them as much as they can and their amazing resources. None of us know 
what the experience is like as much as another veteran. So they all tell us that being part of this class for an entire year and a half makes them now feel that they have a battle buddy in this world. And then they transfer that feeling eventually to their service dog, which allows them to go back out to work, connect with their family again, be part of their community. And, you know, I know we're going to talk about graduation in a minute, but I say all the time that if you could see the veteran on their first day and when they graduate, we are looking at a completely, completely different individual. And their families all are so grateful as well because they tell us over and over that this process brought their person back to them. And that's hugely important because our veteran is not the only one who sacrificed, but their family has given up many, many years, heartaches, scared nights, not knowing what is happening to their person overseas. So to really unite these people again, as we battle the 22 a day veteran suicide rate is just something that we're really proud of. Um, the way our process works is a veteran, the only thing they need to qualify is they have to have a DD-214, so they have to have left active service, and they need to have a diagnosis of any of those three things I mentioned, PTSD, a traumatic brain injury, or military sexual trauma. And once they come in, we interview them. So we interview them and their families and we let them know this is an intense process. You are with us for a year and a half. You're coming to our location in Hollis, New Hampshire, twice a week. Sometimes we are going, you know, once a week, we go out in public with them. We're going shopping at Home Depot. We go out for coffee at IHOP. If one of them remembers it was their wife's birthday and they totally forgot that morning, we've all been at the mall shopping for them. We try to like, we go to the movies. We really try to incorporate real life scenarios, A, for the dog, B, for the training, and C, to do part of that slow transition that we talked about to make these things start to feel normal for our veterans. Like so many of us take for granted, hopping in to go grab a gallon of milk, is for some of these people, it could be a tremendous anxiety builder. And many of our veterans on their first day of class have a very hard time in the public class getting out of the car to go into that store or go in for that coffee. But there's always another veteran that's coming by their side to be like, you know what, let's just try to make it to the front door. And every single one of those veterans before they graduate, they're the ones heading to the car to get the new guy which is just an amazing circle to see. So one of the big things that we're really proud of in this process is um, this is of absolutely no cost to our veteran. We do not require our veteran to pay a dime for our service, nor do we require them to fundraise in any way. We feel that our veterans have all given enough and sacrificed enough that this is the one small thing that we can do for them. Um, and that's really a big, massive relief because that's usually the first question, the hesitant question we get after they ask if they qualify is how much is this gonna cost? Um, and we know there's many places that it's overwhelming to them when they learn that they have to fundraise $10,000 or $15,000 before they're even allowed to be on a waiting list. So with support of donors and amazing contributors like Swim with the Mission, we are able to continue to tell our veterans that, you know, we've got you. You just 
come in, you show up and you show us the commitment and we are going to work you through this process and provide a fully trained service dog to you. So it's a slow process too. They start with us for a month, about a month or so without a dog. And they're sort of like learning about positive reinforcement training. They're getting to know the other veterans in their class. They're learning about our process. We're starting to understand their needs because when we match a veteran with the dog, it's not next dog in line with next veteran in line. We joke that it's like a funny version of match.com because in every class, a veteran will get matched with a different dog that we may have available. And we really try to see how are they interacting together? Is this dog going to be able to service their needs? Because we are really careful and thoughtful about the dog that we pair with the veteran because they all have different needs. Some of them will need balance. Some of them have small children in the house that we have to be careful about. We're having a large influx of Vietnam veterans. So they are a little on the older side. So we want to make sure that we maybe find a dog that is a little bit on the older side to match them with. So the process is careful and thoughtful. And because of that, sometimes that match process takes, takes a little longer just to make sure that we get it 100% right. And after their match, the veteran will then take the dog home with them for an entire year. And they continue to come to our classes during that year. And the veteran is training the dog alongside us. So they are working one day in the public setting, one day in our classroom. And then we're giving them tasks to work on throughout the week while they have their dog. But this is doing two things. It's A, helping us to be able to reach more veterans in a smaller period of time than we would be able to do in our small facility if we did the full training. And B, it is allowing us to really help them through that process that I talked about earlier, that we're not just handing them a dog and saying, head out the door and, and good luck. We're really becoming a part of their life. We're becoming a part of the healing. And we're helping them with all the little bumps along the road that may come to be. And we have found that this process anecdotally really is the best way towards healing um, and seems to have the longest term success. I feel like I talked a lot about that. Is that too it's much? Amazing. I'm going okay. to stop you for one second because you said so much stuff there. <laughs> that was a lot. No, I know. I So just one thing that you, you mentioned that you're seeing a, you know, an increased presence from the Vietnam era, right? Which is the oldest generation, really. Yes. We unfortunately lost most of our career war in Vietnam and World War II folks. Um, but so, so that's super interesting, right? That you're seeing the Vietnam era, you know, do you have a sense of why that is? So we have been, we've been talking a lot about this. Um, and you saw one of them graduate last weekend. We truly believe that this may have been one of the strange positives that came out of the pandemic, that people started talking more about the feelings of isolation, mental health kind of came to the forefront. It was no, I believe this era from, you know, the gentlemen that we have in our program say over and over again, you know, you just didn't talk about it. You just came home, you put your head down, you didn't talk about it. 
um, every single one of them, their spouses were sort of the push to get them in, which was an, another interesting aspect. But yeah, we really believe that it was the idea of taking away the stigma about talking about mental health, about talk, the PTSD is spoken of more. It's no longer considered something to be shameful about or something that we need to hide. And I believe our younger generation is really much more open with this than our older generation has been in the past. And instead of trickling down, we really think it's sort of trickling up to, to our older veterans um, to say that it's never, never too late to ask for a hand, to reach out for help, and to just say that they would like something a little better to help their healing. It's amazing, really amazing. So let's let's stay on the dogs for a second here, right? Um, for our listeners that don't know much about mm-hmm. service dogs, you know what what is it about a dog, you know, the, and a dog and a human, right? That makes such a big difference for a veteran struggling with PTS or PTSD or traumatic brain injury. Sure. So one thing is that I would like to make sure that is clear is as important as emotional support animals are, and they have a very important role for many people, the dogs that we're talking about right now are true service dogs. Um, And there is a slight difference. So an emotional support dog can help with anxiety, they can help with calming, but our um, service dogs are trained so that they are an actual tool for a veteran that has a disability such as PTSD or traumatic brain injury. So we will need the public to look at them as no different than if somebody was coming in with a cane or a wheelchair or any other tool that they needed to get from point A to point B. These dogs are doing exactly that. Um, our dogs are trained to do a f- some really important things. One is considered to be the most important to a lot of our veterans, even though it looks like the dogs are doing nothing. It's called blocking. So if you're ever in public and you see a service dog with a person that does not look like they have an outside disability, and you see a dog step in the front, the back, or on either side of the veteran, that is usually a sign that the veteran is feeling anxious about the crowds that they are in or the people that are coming near them. And that dog is creating a physical barrier so that you don't come too close to the person. And it just gives them that little bit of breathing room that makes them more comfortable. And it also provides them the the anxiety release to know that somebody is not going to sneak up behind them, which is a real fear for a lot of our veterans. So that is one thing that our dogs are doing. The other thing that we teach them to do is most of our veterans have a lot of back injuries and leg injuries and have a hard time bending down and getting up. So our dogs will pick up keys and wallets and things that have fallen on the ground or anything that they may need to retrieve off the ground and pick it up and bring it to them so that they do not need to be in physical pain. They also open up um, handicap doors. And those are like some of the big things that they'll do. Some of the things that we can't train, but just happens every single time that we make a pairing is the emotional connection that this dog and veteran seem to have. They become so in tune to each other that our dogs really know 
what our veterans are feeling, often before the veteran knows. So one of the one of the um, one of the behaviors that we teach the dogs alongside our veterans is a very simple behavior called close, and it is basically when their anxiety is ramping up, their heart rates are going up, the dog can sense it, and the dog just is taught to lean against the veteran at that point, just put all their body weight on the veteran. Sorry, the dogs are going crazy in the background um, because studies show that that brings cortisol levels down and it offsets any of the feelings of anxiety that a person may be having. So we had one of our veterans recently that came in and he was like, I don't know. The dog was still in trees. Like, I don't know what is happening. Keeps doing close when I don't want him. I haven't even told him close. So we're trying to figure it out. And our trainer said, are you anxious? Well, no. And then the dog did it right then during class as he was talking about not being anxious. And we took his heart rate and it was just like through the roof, through the roof. So this dog knew without even having the command that this was what the veteran needed because they'd become so close. And we have that again and again. They learn to wake their veterans up from night terrors by laying their bodies on them. Um, this is a learned behavior, not, not a behavior that is taught. It goes along with how they've learned about anxiety and just sort of becoming a real part of a partnership. One of our, one of our older veterans um, has, has diabetes that he is handling and his dog recently just kept apparently being very annoying, pawing at him, pawing at him, pawing at him. He told him to go away, kept pushing him. So finally he stood up, felt very dizzy, took his blood, his blood sugar and was in a dangerous zone that he didn't even know he was in. And he said, ever since that, the dog can already sense, always sense when his blood, blood sugar is off, which is, again, that was something that we did not train for, but the two of them have just created such a bond that the dog immediately knows what the veteran needs sometimes before the veteran knows it. Yeah, it's incredible. It really, Charlotte, it's incredible. And so talk a little bit more about the dogs. I, I heard at graduation, you know, each one of the veterans talking about where the dog came from, or maybe it was Nona, one of your head trainer. Yeah. You know, but but because because that's an amazing story in of itself that, you know, it's not like these dogs are bred to be service dogs. <laughs> no, and that comes certainly comes with its own, its own added chaos. So the other half of our mission is that um, we know that more than a half of all dogs in America are euthanized every day. So part of our mission is to rescue the dogs. And we find that this really, the, there's something about that, that the veterans find very special. They feel that they have a part in rescuing these dogs. And that really makes them feel like these they have a purpose and that this dog has a purpose so we scour our head trainers scour shelters typically down south um usually arkansas tennessee alabama texas carolinas and we rescue dogs from high kill shelters and we pay to transport them up here and while we try to filter out as much as we can and ask as many questions, it's a gamble. These are not purpose-bred dogs, so we really don't always know what we're going to get. 
They are usually about, we like to get the dogs when they're just about a year, year and a half to two years old. So they, they have some history. They have history that we don't know about. Most of them were found abandoned, wandering the streets, um, starving. One of our dogs that we recently got in the last couple of weeks, we just had to pay for surgery because she was riddled with BB bullets because people just thought that was funny to do to her. So, so this mission really is saving two really, really important things that have gone awry. We are losing too many veterans and our dogs down, especially down south, are just, just filling the streets and not being cared for. So we bring the dogs up here. We have a facility in Hollis right now that we can house seven dogs at a time. Um, we are trying to expand that because our waiting list of veterans that are seeking our service is growing, as we've talked about, it is growing way beyond our capacity to handle at our small facility in Hollis. So we are trying to create a secondary site where we can start some offsite training so that we can bring more dogs in, start the initial training, the initial process, so that as soon as a veteran dog pair get matched and they go home, we have another one that is able just to move into our Hollis facility ahead of the curve and ready to ready to start being paired with a veteran. Um, but yeah, the fact that we have these dogs coming up from all over, you never know, we'll get a, we never know when they're coming. So sometimes we will get a, be expecting a dog to be coming in from Tennessee, like we are supposed to be getting one this Tuesday. And then they will call and say, oh, actually we got here earlier. It's Saturday night. Can somebody meet us in Connecticut at 1130 tonight? Our trainers have to sort of give up everything. They drive down to Connecticut or Maine or New York or wherever we're picking up our dogs um, so that we can help that rescue process get them up to New Hampshire. Awesome. I mean, I, I, I love that. I, I really do. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing how cruel people can be, right, sometimes. So I love it that you guys are also saving these dogs. And, and so if somebody's listening right now, and they want to help, you know, help you guys build that second facility or clear your waiting list. You know, what, what's the best way to get a hold of you guys? So if you go to um, our website, operationdeltadog.org, you will see all of our contact information. I love to speak to anybody about our organization and what we do and why we're proud of it. We're happy to have anybody that wants to come in and see our facilities and see what we're about. We'd love to show you around. Like we, you know, I say that we're small but mighty. So we're not massive, but I truly believe that what we do has such a lasting impact on our veterans and on their families, on the dogs we're rescuing. And that just trickles to our entire community. So we, we love to show it off whenever we can. Yep. And, and you know, you know, I'm a big fan and, and some of the mission is too, and we're proud to support you guys. And, and so, you know, you mentioned 22 suicides a day, Charlotte, and, mm -hmm. you know, you and I know that in New Hampshire, you know, it's 40 a year, 40 veterans a year. And I, I say this every chance I get, because if folks, you know, don't know how bad that is. 
just to put that in perspective, in the war on terror, 20 years of war since 9-11, New Hampshire has lost 94 New Hampshire soldiers, sailors, and Marines in the war on terror in mm. service who made the ultimate sacrifice, 94, which is, which is a crazy big number. But in that same period of time, 800 veterans from New Hampshire took their own lives. Um, you know, and I know Operation Delta Dog, one veteran at a time, one dog at a time, is, is changing veterans' lives and putting them on a better course. Tell us a little bit about how, how did Operation Delta Dog start? Like what inspired Operation Delta Dog? And, you know, you guys have learned a lot and you're teaching a lot. Where did, where did the methodology come from? Tell us a little about all that. Sure. Yeah. So Operation Delta Dog, we started in 2013. Our founder, Trisha Blanchett, um, she comes from a long line of service members and she happened to be reading an article about the 22 a day and was horrified. And it was immediately after she saw um, something very similar about how many dogs are euthanized. And as every busy woman does in this world, she figured, well, I just need to solve both these things immediately. Not one, not the other. I'm going to solve both. So she put her idea for Operation Delta Dog into something called the Sandbox, which is sort of like a little local shark tank that they used to have around here. And Operation Delta Dog was chosen as the startup business and she received $10,000. And that is exactly where we started. We started in um, training in people's basements, meeting veterans at Dunkin' Donuts. And it soon became very apparent how big the need for this was. So she then moved it to, we then moved on a grant to the location in Hollis in 2017. And as you said, we have certainly, certainly grown from there. We used to be able to facilitate know, five or six veterans a year. We currently have um, 26 in our classes right now, which is pretty large for us because as we said, we're, you know, we're a pretty intense program. So, and we also have um, 15 that we are waiting to pull in into that rolling process. So, our methodology is really important to us too. We are what you call positive reinforcement training. So that is very important for dogs that are going to be service dogs for veterans with PTSD, that there is never any negative um, corrections given to the dog. So you will never see what they call a leash correction or a dog being reprimanded or any sort of electric shock. Our dogs, when if you ever see one out and about, you will see our trainers and our veterans, they all carry a food pouch along their waist. And that food pouch is measured out every morning. And that is all the food the dog gets for the day. So these dogs do not get a bowl of a bowl of kibble in the morning and at night, like your dogs might. They work for their food all day. So every time they do something they're supposed to such as sitting before they go out of the door or lying underneath the table in the restaurant, they periodically get positively reinforced with their food for the day. 
And this does a few things. A, this creates a dog that is not anxious and not reactive. It also creates a tremendous bond between our trainers, our veterans, and the dogs. Because if you are the hand that is literally feeding them throughout the day, then just imagine what an important person you are to that dog. And reversely, how close you feel being able to provide, there's something just really calming and nice about being able to provide that nourishment to your dog and constantly be positive all day since you are reinforcing the behavior that you want and not feeling anxious as you're trying to recorrect negative behavior. So there's a lot of data and science that I could go into that would bore the heck out of most people about why this is um, a really important piece of what we do, but that's that's the summary of why we are very strong advocates of positive reinforcement um, for both our veterans benefit and especially the rescue dogs benefit. No, that is that's awesome. Um, so talk a little bit about your personal journey. You know, how, how, how did you get inspired to join Operation Delta Dog? Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm a big believer. I've worked in New Hampshire nonprofits ever since I've graduated from college. It's really important to me to give back and try to help as, you know, people that just need a little extra hand. That's just speaks to the core of core of me at all times and when operation delta dog moved into hollis i honestly knew nothing about it and i happened to see a little article about operation delta dog and that it was coming starting a facility in hollis new hampshire and coming from you know always of course like everybody always having a dog since i can ever remember and having a very long line of veteran service my husband my brother my dad my grandfather most of my uncles it's just sort of at the core of who we are as a family i shocked me that i had not heard of an organization that was serving two things that i was really so passionate about i sort of tootled my way right over there right after they opened got to know them and was um soon hired as their development director and then within the year promoted to executive director and it's the first place that i think i have been that i can just feel the difference of what we do daily and so no matter how hard the days can be knowing the difference that you're making and as trite as it may sound to know that when people tell you that you have literally saved their life and that some really hard decisions were going to be made, you know, before they got that phone call that they were off the wait list, it inspires you to just get up another day and keep asking people for help, keep trying to make the connections to other organizations and continue to fight the good fight that they fought for us. Oh, that is awesome, Charlotte. I mean, you know, I've gotten to know you. You're an amazing person and it takes a lot of passion, you know, to to do all of this. I'm sure you feel inspired like I do 
you know, every day. And, you know, we should talk a little bit about that graduation ceremony because it's obviously the culmination of 18 months of a lot of hard work from your team, you know, from our veteran, from, you know, each of their service dogs. Um, you know, I'll just share with you some of my own thoughts more as an outsider, right? You know, you're just sort of struck by, well, first, the level of emotion, there is definitely not a dry eye in the house. You know, each of these veterans, you know, are, I'd say, you know, pretty tough, right? They're, yep. you know, they've been through a lot, you know, in, in, in the military since then, you know, maybe feeling a little broken, right? And you can tell their families have been through a lot. And it's, it's almost like, wow, you know, now I found a path out of that, right? Uh, and so you you definitely get that feeling from them. You, I get the the strong sense of the connection and the bond between your staff and that veteran, which is very special in of itself. You can see those relationships uh, with both the veteran and the dog, right? And then and then you mentioned then doing this sort of in the cohort, so you see the relationship between you know each of the veterans and each other right on this journey together which is so which is so important um and then you know in talking to the families like so so happy and relieved almost right that 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 they've mm -hmm. sort of had this course correction uh in their lives and so yeah not definitely not a dry uh, eye in the house the, the last one we had planned a very busy day and i said to julie after two hours of crying that we just needed to go home and relax for a little bit we were like totally spent i don't know i don't know yeah, how we were spent time. too <laughs> you know it's, it's graduation is it graduation reminds so i'm a mom of three boys and you know you don't notice them growing up because when you live with them every day until so like they somebody else walks in or they go away to college and they come home and you're like oh wow you are you are growing because you're living it every day. And I feel like we do that with our veterans because we are with them. We are in it. Like, you know, like I mentioned, and you might've seen a graduation, we are really kind of, kind of, we have kind of a really strong connection. We see them so often and we see right. them growing in really tiny, small increments. So we almost don't notice it. And then graduation comes and we are just struck. It is suddenly so obvious the difference between the person that is graduating and the person that walked in on day one for an interview. And, and most of them don't wanna leave at graduation, which is a really a big part of the emotion. So at the beginning, everybody is very daunted by the commitment that we talked about and the fact that you're gonna be with us once or twice a week. And we're going to get to know your family and just sort of get to know you really well. A lot of them are, you know, hesitant. And then they start the process. And then by the time they finish, we've had many that try to purposely flunk out. They don't want to graduate. Yeah. <laughs> they beg us not to graduate. Um, so because of that, we've started a veteran mentor program where our graduating veterans are, they then, if they want, get paired up with an incoming veteran. So they, they stay part of our family. They're really staying connected and they're helping a newbie get through the emotional process that they went through successfully um but yeah graduation graduation has always been really really a special time for us because you just see what almost two years of hard work resulted in yeah 
and yeah. you see yeah. you see like you said you see the emotional bond that we all right. have and we all really just miss them tremendously when they go yeah yeah no it, it's it's amazing and talk about the connection i i mentioned the honor the honor wall we have with the 94 soldiers sailors and marines from new hampshire who've made the ultimate sacrifice i love that you've made a connection between your graduating veterans and that and that that group of 94 and the gold star family so maybe just tell uh, our audience here a little bit about that yeah we, we feel a really strong connection with this too so because Swim with the Mission has been such a tremendous supporter of ours and helping get some of those veterans off a wait list um, with their financial support, which truly is helping our veterans uh, not become a statistic, that we wanted to, we wanted to honor the honor wall um, from Swim with the Mission. So every one of our veteran dog teams that is supported from Swim with the Mission uh, upon before graduation, our veterans go to the honor wall and they choose a fallen hero that they would like to represent on their service dog vest. And we have found that this has not only, you know, been really important to us, but to our veterans as well, because when they go on that honor wall, um, you know, we have to warn them before they go on because many of them see people that they fought alongside. They see people that they may have gone through basic training with and it becomes, it becomes very emotional. But every one of them talks about how one of the most special things that is on their dog's vest is that patch of honor of their fallen hero. And at that last graduation, um, and we talked about we had a gentleman who invited the parents of the person that he was honoring and for them to be there just was so special and provided such closure and and a feeling of not being forgotten that they told us after that they had never you know that it was just so special to them that their son was always going to be commemorated and remembered um, as she helps this veteran continue to, to on his journey. It, it is so special. Thank you so much, you know, for doing this. Like you guys are like this just big virtuous circle, right? You know, um, making a difference and bringing the Gold Star families into it so that they know that we're never going to forget, right? Exactly. Ne never going to forget. And, and at the same time, you're making sure that our veterans are not going to just be another statistic. Um, you know, I just, just again, from afar, having met a number of the veterans that have come through your program, both men and women, uh, you know, I, I get the sense that each of them sort of started their journey, maybe not fully appreciating how much help they needed. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, if someone is listening to this and they have a veteran who may be a loved one or it may be a daughter or a son or a husband or a wife or a sister or a brother, you know, what advice would you give them to try to convince their veteran to come and see you guys at Operation Delta Dog? So the biggest thing that I, the biggest message I want to get across is that every one of you deserve this you have earned it there is nobody out there more needing than you are if you have a moment that you think that you could use a little extra help 
take that time because you're not selfish. You are not weak. You are helping yourself. You are helping your family. You're helping all those that have supported you just by asking for that little extra help. The biggest thing that we hear over and over from our veterans is, I don't know if I deserve this. I don't know if I've earned this. There must be somebody, please pick somebody else. We hear this every interview. If there's, there's probably somebody out there more needy than me, please put them first. But I want to tell each and every one of you that I am certain that by the time you reach out to us, you have tried, you have tried all the things and it's exhausting to try all the things and still feel that they're not working. So please just take a moment for yourself or for your family member to just make the call. No commitment. Just make the call. We will talk you through it, but you, you do deserve this. Yeah, that's a beautiful message. And, and what if someone is listening, Charlotte, and they want to volunteer? Are there opportunities to, to volunteer and get involved? Yeah, absolutely. We have quite a few. So if you are close to Hollis, New Hampshire, we have um, in the building opportunities where you can come take dogs for walks, do boring things like wash towels. Um, or we do also try to teach our dogs that they need to be pets too. When their best is off and they're home, they're a pet. So believe it or not, we have to teach them that best off means relaxing time. So our volunteers, if you want to come read a book to a dog or snuggle or just sit and play, we are looking for that. We also, um, as you know, being in swim with the mission, we try our best to be at every single opportunity we can be but we are super small staffed. There are actually only um, three full-time, four full-time staff in our facility. So we can't be at six events on a Saturday, on the same Saturday. There just aren't enough of us. And that really limits us being able to get our mission out and get people to know about us as much as we want them to. So if anybody likes events and wants to go hang out with some fun people um, and tell people about us, we can totally use some event volunteers to help out with that. Awesome. No, that's awesome. Now, what kind of dogs do you have there, Charlotte? Myself, I have three rescues. Um, I have an American Bulldog, a little white, I don't know what it is. And then, <laughs> and then I have a... Delta dog Foster Flunky. So this dog, her name is Millie. We just got her about a month ago. So she came off the transport truck and she was supposed to be a black lab mix. And she showed up off the transport truck and she is about two inches off the ground. Her legs are so short yeah. that one of our veterans was there and he's like, what the hell is that thing? <laughs> <laughs> She was not, she's a sweet little thing, but because of how I told you, we have to feed the dogs yeah. all the time. Um, yeah, it would have been impossible for somebody to bend to the ground all day long to feed her. So my son offered to just foster her and then she never left. So that is the, oh, and that is the other thing that we really could use, actually speaking of volunteers. Um, we are desperate for New Hampshire fosters for our dogs. So if anybody would like a short-term fix of some of these amazing dogs 
and are willing to open their homes. It really helps us to be able to pull more dogs from these shelters down south. If we have a home that we know that we can put them into for a couple of weeks until we have room in our facility. So that is something that we are desperate, desperate, desperate for. And it, it really does have um, long-term effects because the more dogs we can get up here, the quicker we can move them into our facility, the quicker we can get a veteran off the wait list. So if anybody wants somebody cute and furry in your house for a few weeks, that is a big opportunity, a uh, volunteer opportunity that we need. Oh, well, that, that is awesome. Yeah, I'm sure there's lots of people out there if they knew you know, that that's what you needed would come forward. So we're going to help get the word out there. Awesome. So. Folks want to volunteer to be a to be a foster home for a dog, want to volunteer and come and help you guys out, want to make a donation, find out. I know you guys do lots of fun, great events. Uh, the website is Operation Delta Dog dot org. Uh, Charlotte, it is it's really been great talking to you. And, you know, it's uh, I you know, we are so grateful for everything you do. You guys are a very important part of reducing veteran suicide right here in New Hampshire and. You know, if you could please send our best to the whole team, you've got a great team there from, you know, from Kerry to Cassidy and, and Emily and Rachel, and of course, the amazing Nona. Uh, <laughs> and Nikki, who does a great job as well. You you really have a great team. We're so impressed with everything. Yeah, they, they are amazing. They are tireless. But thank you. And thank you. I mean, we say it as much as we can, but we can't say it enough that without swimming with a mission, you know, our doors would not be open to keep helping everybody that we can so thank you it's it's a really a great pleasure charlotte so thanks for all you do thanks for your passion and thanks for saving lives all right i was excited we got to talk tonight thank you this podcast is a co-production brought to you by the homeland heroes foundation an organization dedicated to the reacclimation support of active duty service members veterans and their families in their time of need. And Dairy Cam, who believes a better world starts with a connected community. To learn more, visit homelandheroesfoundation.org and dairycam.org. Follow the Homeland Heroes Salute on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to the Homeland Heroes Salute wherever you listen to podcasts. The views expressed by our guests and others are solely their own. Views expressed in this podcast do not represent any of the uniformed services, the Homeland Heroes Foundation, Dairy Cam, Swim with a Mission, Harbor Care, Veterans First, or any other organization.